Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel, you're gonna find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is gonna be on there. You're gonna find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts, all that you can follow along with. And the best part is that it's completely free. They're also around 10 to 20 minutes long, meaning if you're short of time, you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout. New workouts will go live on the channel every Tuesday and Thursday and they're gonna be accompanied by an amazing backdrop, which I'm sure you're all gonna enjoy. So if you wanna find the channel, just search Elliot Hassoon into YouTube and you'll find it very easily. And please subscribe. It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Welcome to the Simply Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Hassoun. In this podcast, I'll be looking at three key questions related to fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I will break these down into information that is easy to understand and actionable so that you can apply it to your life today. This podcast will give you all you need to improve your health and well-being once and for all. So sit back, listen, and most importantly, take action. Hello, wonderful people, and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. So today we're here with episode 15. And if you're in the UK, or maybe you're in another area of the world where you're currently needing to quarantine, I hope everyone is finding a way to make their days a little bit more exciting. You know, I know that every day starts to feel a little bit like the same day, but I have been able to break mine up a little bit with starting up running. I liked to do it now and again. I more preferred it when it was like beachside or when I had some views, but I've started doing it recently. And even whilst being back in London and running on busy streets, it's really broken up the day in a different way for me. And it's gave me something to focus on. And yeah, it's made a little bit of a difference in my day compared to what it would usually be. And it came to me that when I start picking up running, my calves, they start really aching. My calves and my tibialis anterior, which is the muscle right next to your shin. So if you've ever done a decent amount of running, you probably probably experienced this as well. And as much as I was like, okay, it's just soreness, I need to work on stretching, I told my coach about it. And he said something so simple and it just occurred to me. He's just like, well, imagine that, you know, you started going to the gym and all you were doing is like these plyometric bench presses or clap push-ups, you know, where you're literally pounding your chest but doing very explosive movements for it. And then you'd start doing that three times a week and you did that for like 30 minutes per session your chest would be wrecked. You wouldn't even probably be able to handle it. So that's why your calves are feeling that way. That's why your tibialis anterior is feeling that way. So you got to be aware that you've just picked up volume massively and your calves, your tibs and all that type of thing. And your, you know, even like the smaller little muscle groups in and around your feet and everything like that, they're just not used to this volume and that capacity of going bang, bang, bang with that, you know, amount of force through the floor. And just something as simple as that, I was just amazed at like how easy that was to overlook. So for anyone who wonders why I personally have a coach, you know, he has plenty of experience and says a lot more profound things like that, but it's sometimes amazing just to hear something so simple uh, and it hits home. So I thought I'd share that quick 
learning with you. So if there's anything that you're doing that you haven't done for a while, you're either feeling sore from it, maybe if it's a new training regime or something like that, or you're just maybe, you know, you've taken up a new language and you're just, your brain is like, oh, you know, it, like you've got to be, bear in mind that it takes us time to adapt and we've got to build up slowly for us to like start getting to accustomed to the amount of workload that we're doing, especially if we're taking on something new. Uh, but obviously once we adapt to it, once we do it more and more, then it becomes a lot easier to navigate and then we can improve performance and everything along those lines. So I'm looking forward to that next stage of my running. I'm currently dedicating four weeks. I reckon it'll be an eight week. We'll see how much we can do in eight weeks. I'll keep you posted on my journey, but I thought I'd share that first before we dive into today's three topics. And the first one is, again, very, very time sensitive to the current situation. How do I make my home training more effective? And as I mentioned, during the first lockdown, I really had this challenge, which is why I created uh, some content around this is that it was really hard to separate the training space from the living space, from the working space. And, you know, everything became intertwined. And that's kind of the situation we find ourselves in again. And then it made me stop and realize, like, the things that we do a lot differently uh, when training at home compared to where we would be training in a gym. So I want to go through my top five ways in which you can make your home training a lot more effective. So the first one we've got here is prepare. Right. So does your training session, does it just get squeezed in here and there or does it have a dedicated time slot in your day? Is it in the morning when you're not bothered by people, you have the time or is it either side of meetings where you're just squeezing it in your lunch break? Because you got to bear in mind that if it's feasible to allocate a time slot where you're likely to be not interrupted during that time it's going to be far more effective than if you're just rushing around just trying to get it done thinking about the next meeting and things that are going on in your mind versus actually having an effective training session and then we have to look at the physical preparation right are you sleeping enough i know a lot of people's sleep has been troublesome during the lockdown are you hydrating enough are you eating well still are you eating foods with plenty of nutrients and fueling your body and are you managing your stress effectively i'm sure your stress bumped up quite a bit and not only from the situation but there could have been knock-on effects in terms of homeschooling your children and everything along those lines so if you haven't been able to take the chance to put measures in place to manage that stress then that'd be really effective in terms of making sure that you can recover and be prepared to give the best in your workouts possible the next is going to be precursors, those things that precede an effective training session. So before, when we were going to the gyms, we had like our certain associations with wherever we trained, whether it was the gym, whether it was a CrossFit box, whether it was a gymnastic studio, whatever, right? So we had that training location that we would step into. That was already the first kind of association we had. Then we potentially had going into the changing rooms. Then we had drinking our pre-workout beverage. I know I would always grab a coffee on the way, head into the gym, and then you put your headphones in as well but now that's all taken away right every single association we had that linked us to this is the gym this is my time to train which your body gets accustomed to your mind gets accustomed to right your brain creates these pathways being like okay i recognize these familiar settings this is my time to you know potentially start pumping blood to the muscle groups because i'm going to train i'm going to exercise and now it's just our kitchen or our living room right and your body won't have those same cues those cues from the environment to suggest like this is the time to amp up turn yourself on and get ready to train so this is why i'm a big fan of people getting changed into gym kit right and creating the associations within their environment to ensure that they are getting themselves 
primed and ready to train. So not training in your pajamas, right? Having specific gym clothes so that your body can create that association that when we put on our gym kit, it's time to train. Same with putting headphones in. I shared this example last time. I was playing music out loud, but I didn't want to you know, wake up my neighbors. So it was nowhere near as loud as it usually would be. So wasn't quite having that same impact. You know, pre-workout beverage as well. You can still do that. Maybe you can sit for five minutes with it and start writing out your session and kind of set the intention for it then and just be, you know, begin visualizing, going through your session in your mind beforehand. That can be incredibly valuable. The third uh, way that you can make your training more effective is your mindset. And this one's a big one, right? And this is something that I came across a lot with, you know, people that I was working with, a lot of people who I was speaking with who were potentially decided not to train and saying, you know, I won't be able to make progress, you know, I don't have enough equipment. And this is one of those cases where whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. If you're going in with a mentality that you can't make much progress, it is going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. However, if you turn this around and you look at the things you can do versus what you can't do, like I can still train, that's one. I can overload my body in a different way. You know, Maybe I can't use weight, but maybe I can use really slow eccentrics. Maybe I can do plyometrics. Maybe I can do static holds. Or maybe even just think, okay, this is just setting me up for success upon my return, right? This is gonna keep momentum up. Yes, I'm gonna start from a little bit of a regressed place. That's natural. But at the same time, I'm gonna be able to jump in and it's only gonna take me three weeks versus three months to get myself uh, going again. And then the final thing you can put in your mind is I will make progress. There is still the capacity to make progress, especially for those of you who do have some form of equipment that you can utilize, or you're potentially in like a fat loss phase when your nutrition and your output is largely going to dictate uh, the results you get, then you totally can. So just remember to go in and not focus on the things that you, you know, the lack, the things you can't do because of that will play out, but the same will happen on the other side. So think about what you can do during this period. Next one, the fourth way you can make your home training more effective which is a very powerful one is having a plan in place if you don't have a plan and you're not actually that motivated to train at home you're creating more resistance you're gonna have a harder time with actually getting the session done in the first place let alone actually making it effective you might not even want to get started with it but if you have a plan you know the amount of reps you're doing the amount of sets you're doing right you will be able to go in hit the ground running and not have to think about things and i think that's the biggest thing when we think about things and like i spoke about a little bit in the last episode on habits right we are wired to take the path of least resistance and if least resistance after you know at least resistance after a long day of work may well be just sitting down and Go, or maybe even just taking the easy route out, just going for a quick walk instead of doing that training session that you know you should. It might be pressing the snooze alarm and staying in bed, but instead of getting up in the morning. And without that plan, without you know knowing what you're doing, you're gonna miss out on that sense of progression and fulfillment as well. So I would definitely look towards making sure that even if you, even if it's just for a short phase, even if it's just the body weight workouts you're doing, still create a plan. Maybe you wanna go on Instagram. There are so many programs out there, so many things that people are offering along those lines that will help you put together a session. You can contact a coach. You can do anything that 
is going to give you some clarity and incentivize you to get going. And the fifth and final way that you can make sure that your training is just as effective as it would be if you were training elsewhere is to track your progress as well. Like one of the reasons I personally train is because I want to see progress in what I'm doing. Like I like seeing myself increase in terms of numbers on strength or any other, you know, lifts I'm doing. I want to see those numbers move up, whether it's you know, training, whether it's running, whether it's skipping, whether it's yoga, right? You want to see yourself make progress. And if you don't measure things, it's really hard to see if you are progressing. And if you take out the element of progression and you're not actually that excited by training by home, then there's not going to be a lot of incentive to do it. So I would definitely make a note. So once you have that plan in place, note down how much you lift, note down how many reps you do, maybe how much time you spend in a certain yoga position, set yourself some challenges and then make a note of it and use it as incentive. These metrics can be really really exciting and I would definitely go for that it doesn't have to just be weight it can be reps it can be rep quality there's so many different things you can track the most important thing is that you do actually have something you can measure so to summarize first one make sure that you are physically and mentally and logistically prepared second set your precursors make sure that you have those associations with your training that prime you and get you ready to go third mindset Get yourself set up for success. Don't focus on what you can't do, focus on what you can do. Next, have a clear plan in place. It will make it a lot easier to get going and you're gonna have a lot more sense of fulfillment. And the final one that ties into that nicely is track your progress. So that is first question on our training section and we're going to take a little bit of a transition here and another one that could be quite time sensitive because if i know personally a lot of people say to me is that there's not that much going on in a day that's exciting but the only thing that is exciting is food right i've had a lot of people say that to me and I can, I can share that, you know, there, there is times where the days look very similar and like the only thing that seems pretty easy to switch up is your nutrition. I completely understand that. So the next question here is, can I have cheat meals slash cheat days? And I've kind of touched on this in not full detail, but in other answers to other questions. But if we look at the black and white answer is, well, the answer is yes, of course you can. You are in charge of making the nutritional decision for yourself but should you do it is a completely different story and it really does depend on your relationship with food the certain phase of life you're in the certain phase of training you're in whether you're dieting whether you're gaining all these things do make an impact um so just bear with me that i'm not speaking on anyone specific right now i want to share with my personal story then go into whether you know you're in a fat loss phase or anything like that so i think i've mentioned before that i did this like i was a product of this i probably had i didn't really do cheat days that much that always even when I enjoyed eating, you know, foods like that and going a bit wild, I never really liked the concept of cheat day because I think that, you know, I, I knew that I could put away probably like 10,000 calories if I wanted to. I did actually eat um, 12 donuts in under 12 minutes, I think it was. So there's a YouTube video on that if anyone wants to see that. But I digress, right? So I was a product of the cheat meal thing. I would save up, you know, well, I wouldn't even save up. My coach would recommend it once per week. So I'd have my day-to-day -day calories. I would eat my plain, boring foods. 
games from Monday to Saturday. And then on Saturday night, I would have whatever I wanted. It was usually along the lines of pizza, burgers, sweet potato fries, and then some type of dessert, like a melted cookie, ice cream. Like this is all on the old, um, you know, if you scroll down far enough my Instagram or on my YouTube channel, you will see all of this. And this was me and it's amazing to think that that was. And then on Sunday, I would get back to business, right? Back onto those boring fruits and repeat uh, the cycle. It was quite enjoyable at the time, I won't lie, I enjoyed it. But eventually the relationship with food after a while became a little bit dysfunctional, right? I would start thinking, of that cheat meal on like Tuesday afternoon. And I remember when I was prepping for my first physique show, I actually designed the pizza I was gonna have maybe 12 days before my show. Like I was literally on the Pizza Hut website and I was like, it's gonna have this, this, this. And for me, like as much as you love food and as much as we can say that we're foodies, that for me is a bit far looking back, right? And we don't want that type of obsession and that relationship with food. And it only worsens and worsens, right? Because it comes back to the whole restriction and then the consequent, I don't want to, I want to use the word um, tentatively here, but the subsequent binge that tends to happen thereafter, right? So I would be low energy throughout the week. I'd be low calorie about, you know, throughout the rest of the week. And then I'd be fantasizing, fantasizing, I should say about this one meal. And you know, the quality and nutrition within this, this, the food would be poor. My digestion would suffer for a couple of days. This was actually when I realized I was allergic to dairy as well. I woke up the next morning, I used to be like sneezing and I'd have like red eyes and I was like why does this keep happening on a Sunday then I realized it was because of all the ice cream that I was eating and I just can't see this as something that cultivates a healthy relationship with food so my approach these days is that I eat foods that fuel me they're in line with my day-to-day macros and they are you know considered foods with a decent amount of uh, nutrients and when I want to have a meal that might be considered cheat there's no feelings of cheating and I don't like you know that word to be associated with it right so when is anything good actually associated with cheating as well so even if you have this enjoyable like let's call it an off-track meal then you know what good does actually the word cheat add to that so i think we need to be really you know careful about our terminology here because if i can't see anything positive with being associated with the word cheat that's um my thoughts on the actual word itself and but coming back to that there's no feelings of cheating there's no guilt around it i eat a regular adult sized meal like, i don't order 10 sized I, like i might eat a fair amount but if i do i'm content because i know i'll just you know bounce back the next day it's not a case of like Oh no, I don't. And the, yeah, this is the challenge that comes in. It's like the reason why people overeat in these situations and the way, reason I did as well is because if you know you're not having that meal again until next week, so you want to make the most of it. Whereas if, for instance, you know that, you know, you eat relatively decent meals on a day-to-day basis, your calories are in a good place, then you don't feel that restriction, right? The problem is, is when you do restrict for like an entire week, you're not actually in a great place, like emotionally, hormonally, maybe even from a physical energy perspective as well. So you're kind of a little bit skewed in your approach. So then you put a bunch of decadent trigger foods in front of you, and then of course you go wild. So I think that that is worth bearing in mind, especially if you're someone in a, in a deficit right now, you're gonna be even more uh, receptive to these foods as well. In terms of like where where I go now, I would personally just, and this is the approach I tend to take with my clients as well, I personally prefer to eat in accordance with my macros. I try to eat highly satiating and high nutrient food 
And then, you know, my approach here, as far as in a fat loss phase, I would rather stick to those, wrap up my fat loss phase sooner so that I can go back to like the 70, 30, 80, 20 principle that I have where 70 to 80% of my food is, you know, quote unquote, healthy foods, high nutrients, highly satiating. And then the other 20, 30% is kind of whatever I want it to be. And I know I'm gonna have the people go, but Elliot, I need to have, I need or I want to have this one meal a week where I can just enjoy my food. I get this a lot all the time. And I actually disagree with this. Like I personally believe that if someone needs that, you know, that meal on a week to week basis, it probably means they haven't found foods but they haven't been taught the right approach first because you can actually enjoy them without having this one binge meal per week. And you can also, you know, find a lot of foods that aren't, don't require you to eat like, you know, double stuffed crust, extra cheese pizza and still enjoy your foods and your nutrition. And I think it's also worth thinking about like our conditioning here as well, um, especially when it comes to just starting a journey like this. Like if you've only drunk, like let's say you've only drunk whole milk, for your entire life and let's not even go you know with the one with the blue top if you're going to the uk let's go for that like jersey style that really thick stuff and let's say like all of a sudden you start drinking plant-based right as soon as you switch to like almond milk or something like that it's gonna be quite a shock to the system but over time i guarantee you if you only drunk almond milk for the next year and you actually switch switch back to whole the same thing would apply. You'd probably kind of drink that whole milk and be like, whoa, I can't believe I drank this before because the plant-based milk would become more familiar. So that's where I think that a lot of us need to come with our nutrition as well. We need to take time away from all of these highly decadent, like I said, the double stuffed crust cheese pizzas so that, you know, when we do have those, we're like, okay, maybe a slice will do because a whole pizza, that that's a bit much, right? Because of our taste palates will change and our receptiveness to these foods will change. We won't, I don't have these type of foods anymore because of a you know the digestive outcome is never ideal but b they're very rich and it's very hard to eat that level of food but when you're used to it and that's your conditioning then you will right so you're telling me i can't eat my favorite burger or my pizza but the answer again is of course you can but what you don't want to do here is call it a cheat meal what you don't want to do is schedule it in on a weekly basis and sit alone and eat everything in sight in one sitting if it comes up every so often like you know maybe once or twice a month or potentially even less especially if you're in a time sensitive fat loss phase then it's totally fine but like adopting the more like of a 80 20 70 30 approach like i personally believe it's going to serve you much better for both your body and mind it definitely has done for me and i don't feel like i ever miss out on anything and i also don't have the roller coaster of binging and restricting and going through that cycle but with that being said if you are in that cycle right now it's not an easy one to get out of and break away from. And you will need to be patient with yourself. You will need to give yourself time. But as long as you're committed to doing it and you make a conscious effort, then you can definitely do it. And then there's other aspects that I don't want to go into, but there is a lot to be said about it being more of a mental challenge, more so than a nutritional challenge. And that's quite often where I think it comes from. And if it is conditioning that's been years and years and years, it's going to take some time and it might require additional help from an expert as well. Final question. Whilst we're talking about uh, mental health and mindset, this question is right up my street and I love these type of questions. So the final one here is how do I overcome self-limiting beliefs? 
And like I said, I absolutely love questions like this because I don't think that we realize quite the impact our self-limiting beliefs have on us. Or sometimes we might not even realize that we have them. So the first place to start is understanding that you actually do. And I'm a super big believer that we are all a byproduct of the narrative that we have about ourselves, right? We all create this narrative. Like, I'm a caring person. You know, I'm always late to things. I'm a fantastic human being. I'm a failure, potentially, right? And the ridiculously scary part of this is most of these beliefs are cultivated when we are extremely young. And usually by the circumstances that we went through, but not only the circumstances, but the meanings we attach to these circumstances as well, right? So, for example, if you were if you were in school and you weren't great at like the typical schooling system in terms of exams, you may believe that that means you're not smart, right? You might grow up with this belief that you're not intelligent because you know you've attached the meaning to not being able to pass the exams as as like the standard of intelligence and that is what it is as a kid right that's the societal norm that is how children are judged on their intelligence right however if we look at this as an adult and we actually look at this from a logical perspective perhaps the learning style of the traditional classroom just didn't work for you or perhaps you're more of a creative person or a sports person or perhaps you you know you just prefer to learn in a more visual way and had trouble with the you know the memory recall that needed to be done during tests. It doesn't mean you're unintelligent. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, you're not smart and you may grow up with that belief, but this is what I mean by attaching meaning to that circumstance. One person could say, okay, this just must mean I don't learn in the traditional format. And the other goes, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I'm unintelligent. And if you go through life thinking you're unintelligent, you're thinking you're not smart, your mind will look for evidence to support this. Every time you don't pass a test, Every time you don't do something to a standard, you'll be like, oh yeah, no, that that is it. And then because that becomes familiar, it continues to compound, right? Because of anything against your belief is uncertain, you know? And we don't like uncertainty, we like familiarity. And it's, it's really sad, but it's true. I wanna to talk to you about how we're gonna turn it on its head. And we're gonna go into this in just a second because of, I really don't want this to be someone's narrative forever, especially if they're on a health and fitness journey with like me, with me, sorry, where they are proactively pursuing getting in the shape of their life, but they've never been healthy. They've never potentially had like a lean stomach or anything like that. And they're holding themselves back because they've never been able to achieve anything like that so they don't have that self-belief so i really want to help people get into a place where they do have that belief they can break past those those barriers and move forward into the potential that they have the capacity to fulfill i think it's really really interesting how our certain circumstances can impact our response i think it's fascinating we see people they progress they excel and they succeed but then they reach a certain sticking point and what happens? They self-sabotage, they give up, they potentially create reasons why they can't get to this next place, even if it doesn't serve them. And that's the most frustrating part. It's just because it's familiar, it's just because it's normal, not because it's actually the best approach for them. So next thing I wanna do is I wanna go through a tactical approach you can use. And it goes through exactly how you reshape the narrative of certain situations to overcome these certain limiting beliefs. And it's a six step 
process. So we're going to begin by taking an example just to play this out a little bit further. So let's take someone who has maybe been uh, stuck in a bit of a plateau when it comes to their weight loss journey and their weight just isn't moving, right? The initial response is that they get frustrated, they get disappointed, and they get a, you know, a whole array of negative emotions. The first step here is to notice those emotions come up and the change of state that that brings. We need to notice that frustration, that negative uh, negativity that comes through and ensure that they don't get out of hand. And I think the first step is just to observe them happening. And once you see that, once you step on the scales, you get off, potentially you start seeing yourself getting a little bit frustrated, a little bit annoyed. The second is now to realize that it's only you that is causing this response. It's not the scales, it's nothing else but you and your mind creating this response. So I'm gonna give you a bit of more of a you know visceral uh, example here. So let's take two people who are going skydiving. The one is absolutely exhilarated, they're excited, they're like, this could be you know a life-changing experience. And the other person right next to them is hyperventilating, they're absolutely freaking out. And we take these two people there is zero difference in their circumstances. They're both sitting at the edge of that plane. They're both about to jump out to it. And the only difference between them is their thoughts and their mind. So the same goes for the scales. One person could be thinking, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, etc. And the other person potentially could be, oh, I'm actually curious. Why isn't my weight moving down? And actually, it makes them more determined. They're like, oh, you know what? It's not moving today, so I'm going to work extra hard so that it starts moving. So understand that it's your thoughts that are causing this frustration, this anxiety, this anger that you're having. So that's the second step. The third step is now to realize what those thoughts are saying, like actually play them out. This isn't working. I'm putting in so much effort. It's not paying off. This is so frustrating, right? So you're having these you know, these emotional, uh, these emotions that come up, we need to get the thoughts behind them. So what is causing that anger, that frustration? Oh, I'm putting so much effort, things aren't working out as well as I want them to. You know, this never works for me, right? So observe those and just see if they serve you because quite often they're not going to. And then we move on to the fourth step. And then just like for a second, okay, now that you have this observation of these emotions that you've had, you know that you're in control of making them happen, and you also now know that they don't serve you. So just for one or two seconds, just be open to the fact that these thoughts might not be true. Just allow yourself to think that way, right? You understand that you are creating this response. You understand that it's all about the meaning you attach to it and it's not actually the circumstance. So just be open to that for a second. So you're now looking at the opposite way of thinking. And then the next step is to say, okay, well, if that's not true, then you know perhaps the opposite could be true. So instead of this being frustrating, Perhaps this is just a sign to empower me to search for ways that I can do better, right? Maybe there is something that I'm not doing quite right here and I need to dig into it. Flip the thoughts of this is not working to I'm putting in the work, I'm ticking the boxes. So perhaps I just need to remain consistent here. Maybe I just need to give it more time. Maybe I need to realize, you know, these things in life that are worth having, they take effort, they take time, they take consistency. And, and perhaps this is just a sign to me that I need to continue working or I need to work even harder. So let's go for that step. Now we're coming into a more empowering place. And then the sixth is where we finish this off is 
bring some evidence to support the new meaning you've attached. So let's look at the last time your weight uh, stopped uh, moving. Maybe you started weighing your foods a little bit more accurately and you paid more attention to your sleep and that ended up making things work. Last time you were frustrated with the scales, like what you did you do? Oh, I remained consistent and that actually led me to making more progress up until this point. So you then search for like past situations where you're like, ah, this worked for me in the past. So maybe I just need to do something similar, right? And now we have a completely new meaning that we've attached to this initial negative of the scale not going down. So the first step is we need to notice what's going on. We need to then observe what is going on, like what thoughts we're having. The next is we need to be open to those thoughts maybe not being true. And then once we're open to those, we can be open to the fact that the opposite might be true. And then the final step is just to solidify that with evidence. And you might have never, you know, reached a certain goal before, but you may have had times where you put in hard work and you got results. It might have not been times, you know, in a health and fitness journey, but it might have been working towards an exam. It might have been working towards a promotion. It could be anything. And then the next, what about you might have had a time in your life where you had a coach or a mentor that helps you unlock that next level. And because you've got that now, this situation can pan out in the same way. And once you go through these six steps a couple of times, it's not like you have to individually go through each one, you start doing it automatically. So every time you find yourself in a negative situation, you're like, you start feeling it in your body, and then you're like, okay, this isn't a good feeling, I'm gonna start to flip this around, I'm gonna search for some evidence, and you're gonna end up in a better place. And actually, when you get really good at it, you can actually do it with the like profoundly negative situations in your life. You can actually find gratitude for them because they actually eventually led you to being stronger, to being in the place that you are today, to cultivating some characteristics that you really like about yourself, even if it was a really big negative at the time. So that is how we're going to wrap up that final question. And I hope that that was thought provoking. And I hope that you're able to look at some of the more seemingly negative circumstances in your day to day, not get too caught up with them and reprogram your mind so that you can actually look for the positives within them. the construction with constructive within them and keep moving forward so that is everything from me today guys i really really enjoy talking with you as always take care of yourselves and we'll look forward to speaking with you in the next episode and that was the simply fit podcast i hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode i feel inspired to improve your health and well-being be sure to search for simply fit in apple podcasts google podcasts and spotify or anywhere else you get your podcast from And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.